You are listening to Changing the Game with me, Wilson Casado. What is the game? The game is everything. Everything from the education you receive to the career or business you pursue. In regards to diversity and inclusion, though, there isn't a level playing field. The show will allow us to hear from those who are challenging the status quo. It is about creating a new future where things are done differently, a future with diversity and inclusion, and most importantly, a future where everyone has access to play the game. Hello everyone, welcome to Changing the Game. Today I have a very special guest, Gemma Green, and I'm going to introduce her and then, you know, and then we go for a conversation. So welcome to the show, Gemma. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so it's a pleasure. So, oh, look, I have a little bit of a, a formal bio here to go through. Let's, uh, let's take a look at who you are. So Gemma is, uh, you know, Gemma works with government, right? So has been working with government for the last five years. She's passionate about doing, you know, adding value to the government, particularly in the innovation area. Innovation is what Gemma is about. So hence, I think you'll be a very good guest for the change in the game. Uh, in the last five years in government, she worked for local government initially as a chief information officer, a chief innovation officer. And then uh, more recently, she's an executive director of transformation with the South Metropolitan Health Services. So she's with WA uh, Health Department. So uh, Gemma was a fi finalist in, in 2020 of the Telstra Business Women's Award. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, and prior to government, uh, she had a, another 15 years of career uh, in the private sector, uh, in human, human resources and, and business improvement. Innovation, as I mentioned before, is what Gemma is about. So she has been an advocate for it. She has co-designed innovation trainings. Uh, she has worked with you know, Harvard uh, professors, worked with the Cutting University, uh, helping to design what uh, is to be uh, education in the innovation. So Gemma is also an advisory board member of the Western Australian Leaders and a healthcare advisor panel. So let's go for it. So Gemma, thank you. That's a nice introduction. Uh, this is pretty much a, a good professional bio. <laughs> I'm interested to know a little bit more about Gemma as a person. Who are you, Gemma? Yeah, I mean, you, you touched on it then about being passionate about innovation. And for me, um, I love to connect people and ideas. And I've been very fortunate in my whole career. I've got to work with people and understanding about people. So um, it's really being curious um, is what gets me excited. Um, and I love the fact that I now get to work in that innovation space. But a bit about me, um, so I was born in England. I lost my accent, it's gone. I'm very Australian now. I moved here when I was nine years old and uh, we, we moved around a lot. We lived in um, Geraldton. I, we moved to Perth, lived in Geraldton, moved to Queensland, back to Perth again, um, which, you know, was quite hard as a child. Uh, I went to nine schools, so five primary schools, four high schools. And what I had to learn to do was be resilient 
Um, I had to be flexible and agile and all of those great things that help you to adapt to a brand new environment and make new connections with people. So I feel like um, I had a challenging upbringing, but it's absolutely built the skills in me that's enabled me to kind of work in this innovation and transformation space. And um, I, not only am I a, a, a full-time employee, let's call it, I'm also a mum as well, so I have children. Um, two teenage boys, both graduating, one year six and year 12. So I'm, it's quite a year this year for me, um, probably an emotional one as I watch my um, oldest boy really start to become a, a young man. Um, so it's been quite a year of reflection. It's been great. That's pretty nice. So uh, I hope I, I, I can say one day that I lost my accent as well. So for, for, now, <laughs> for now, that's not the case. And, and I also empathize that I have two boys and one yeah. in year five and one in year 10. So just you know, you one Very or two similar. years behind you in that sort of experience. <laughs> so it has been challenging, by the way. Mm. So uh, Emma, and you were, uh, so what is, what is the start of your career? You mentioned that you work in the human resources area and, and, and yeah. innovation. How was that start? Well, it, it's, uh, so when I was at high school, I actually thought I was going to have a career as an actress. So I thought, you know, I was going to be the next time and away star. Um, I had no clue what I was, what I was, what, what I wanted to do. And I ended up starting a teaching degree and went, oh, this is not for me. I did a year of it, did some prep work and went, I, I'm not sure I can handle <laughs> the children. So I actually worked in retail for a number of years and uh, I learned how to run a business. Um, I learned how to uh, understand rosters and how to manage people. And then I started getting into training and then I started working um, across some different stores to kind of help get efficiencies out of the different departments and store areas. And I thought, you know what, I actually really love this space. So um, when my oldest was a baby, I went back to university as a mature age student. I was working, raising children and also studied. I did a degree in business, but majoring in human resources. And I really, um, I think the trigger for me is um, I was working in that retail environment and looking to uh, progress through a leadership program and um, I was told I couldn't because I was pregnant at the time and now I mean you just can't get away with that kind of conversation in today's day and age but it really empowered me to say do you know what I'm not going to let that happen to me again I'm going to if I want to be ambitious and driven whether I'm a mother or not um, I'm going to do it so I went and studied around human resources it took me six and a half years but I managed to find some jobs in the human resource um, area. And so I got to not only study, but also um, take that study and apply it in a real day environment. So I was really fortunate. I kind of worked my way through a number of organizations um, really because I kept progressing. I, I, I get bored easily. So I, I have to be entertained and kind of move into the next challenging space. So um, kind of worked through different industries as well. And I think that's the beauty of human resources is it's very transferable. You can go from, um, for me, manufacturing, construction to mining to government. And so I ended up kind of moving into the government space, um, you know, thinking, oh, what's, what's this all about? And how is it different from this commercialized environment I've been working in for a long time? But um, it's definitely stemmed from wanting to make sure um, that people 
uh, could develop and grow. That's really where I, I, why I worked in the HR space. And I wanted to make sure that systems and processes supported inclusion and equality um, and uh, diversity as well. Gemma, there's an interesting thing in your story when I when I hear the way you're telling it is that uh, you didn't mention at the beginning that you had some adversity as a child, some challenges when I was when you were young, but then you're telling your professional story. You're extremely positive in telling this story, like you know, is despite any uncertainty, you always like, you seems to have a, a, a big self-confidence. You're going for it and you're going for the next one and changing jobs and, yeah. and doing this and that. So is that accurate to say that you are, that you have a, you know, the high confidence or high self-confidence and. Oh, uh, look, I fake it till I make it. So, I, you know, you have to have a level of confidence in who you are and what you're about, but I haven't always had that confidence. I've, I'm just very passionate. I'm a very achievement focused person. I like to deliver outcomes. And so that kind of has kicked off my success, let's call it. Um, but I think uh, I have my moments of not feeling, I have imposter syndrome, especially when I moved into the innovation space. I mean, I, I was the first chief innovation officer in local government in Western Australia. I, my, my boss wanted to give me a position description with a light bulb on it. He was just like, just go for it. Um, and I was like, well, what do I do then? So, you know, I had to really work through understanding what my value was. And I spent a lot of time, um, this is a good four years ago now, really focusing on what is it I bring and what are my strengths? So now I can articulate that. I might come across as very confident. I haven't always been. But I love um, achieving and I uh, am all about what's best for an organisation and its people. So I think that that's kind of helped to kind of drive my career forward. That's very interesting to hear. So uh, I'm, I'm curious about that step uh, when you actually move into government. You mentioned that you had 15 years of experience and then, you know, moving into government. We know that government's a different yeah. work environment. So you have uh, uh, its own uh, challenges and opportunities. So what what has driven you to go that way? So you mentioned <laughs> about a, a female leader that actually gave you that job. So what, what's what's her role in that? Yeah, I, uh, why did I move into government? Look, I, I was 15 years in HR, can be draining. You're dealing with performance management issues, industrial relations. I've been in and out of Fair Work Commission representing organisations around disputes, dealing with unions. Um, I felt that HR had gone from being about people growth and development and culture into one that was around compliance and ensuring that we, you know, were uh, always doing the right thing, but that really restrained me. And I've always had this creative side in me. So um, I took the opportunity to join government, one, because I wanted to see how transferable my skills were, but also to give me some space to decide, is HR where I want to be? And is this what I want to do? So I took a pay cut. I took a backward step. I chose to join um, local government because they offered a nine-day fortnight. I thought, great, an extra day I can spend with my children. Um, I was looking at doing some extra study then as well. But once I got into government, I, I'll be honest, the first couple of weeks, I thought, what the hell have I done? Because it was just a completely different world to what I was used to. 
But the power of working in government is that we're there to serve our community and our citizens. And for me, having that meaning and purpose to the work I was doing meant that I was reinvigorated in that HR space. And I got to support and work across so many different teams, um, outdoor crews, community-based crews, library, libraries, um, uh, corporate services. And I got to see how this beauty of government, and I say beauty because it doesn't ever really get that kind of good rap, but it is beautiful because it's there to help support our citizens and improve quality of life. And we forget that. We talk about the roads and the rates and the rubbish, but actually there are so many people who have dedicated their lives to serve the community that they live in. Um, so once I got into government, I thought, oh, this is quite, quite meaningful and purposeful. And the work I do is helping people. Um, so I think that's why I'm still there. I'm, I've obviously moved into health now. Once again, that's around patients and health outcomes and ensuring that quality of life is there. But um, I think government has been, um, uh, I didn't probably appreciate it when I went into it, but I definitely appreciate being able to work in government now. That's very interesting. So I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about, uh, you know, the, the innovation part of it, because you, you mentioned <laughs> about being passionate about it and, and, and the ability that you have today to actually drive some of those innovations to change, you know, to change what, what's going on. But I have a question before I go there. So you mentioned about having two boys, you mentioned about, you know, moving careers and stopping to study and, and then study again. Uh, how did you manage that sort of uh, overwhelming uh, world of being a, a, a woman in business? Oh, it's challenging. <laughs> it's, um, you're constantly dealing with the push and pull and I love it when you go to a conference and you've got um, people talk about, you know, how do you create balance? There's no such thing as balance. It's, it's you go wherever the pull is hardest. If it's your children, if it's going to assemblies, parent-teacher meetings, football training, that's where you go. And you have to learn to negotiate and manage your time effectively if you want to have a career as well. So, um, I, look, my partner at the time was fantastic support. Um, we both work together to kind of manage that, um, I guess, the demands of children uh, and also the, the pull of work. Um, but look, it's, I, I operate at a really ridiculous kind of intensity anyway. So I know I'm probably a little bit abnormal in that I can cram a lot into a day and produce a lot of work, but also I'm very organised. So, um, you know, the kids get to training on time and they get dressed and their shirts are ironed. And sometimes it comes with a little bit of stress and frustration, but it, it happens. So um, it's hard, it's hard work. I won't deny that, but also it's amazing when you get to the end of the day and you think, geez, look at what I achieved today. My kids are happy and my life is good and um, I get to do great work. Very nice. So that, that's a very, I think, uh, I think for, for the girls that will hear that there is a, a important piece that you said. So, you know, your, your perspective of balance mm. uh, is much more of uh, managing your chaos than seeking for balance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and find your, you know, your, your, your mental health in that stage, you know, in that, in that stage. Yeah, that's always the challenge, the mental health piece. That's, um, 
you know, sometimes you forget about yourself or you, you're the last on the list. So um, it's def- that's something I'm definitely working on at the moment is finding those things that take me away from thinking and worrying about everything else to just bring me to be present in the moment. So, um, but that's a, a skill to be built. <laughs> you don't do that naturally when you're um, being pulled in so many different directions. Very interesting. So, uh, look, one of uh, one of the levers of changing the game that 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 you know I'm giving emphasis uh, is innovation. So, tell me more about that. So, what uh, what is the innovation for you in your job today? So, what are you doing on that? Yeah, uh, look, this I could talk all day, Wilson, on this, but I won't. I'll restrain myself. Well, we have um, this. <laughs> <laughs> so, in, innovation for me is about change that adds value, and it's a very common definition for innovation. Um, but what I'm really passionate about doing is building the capability of staff um, and people to have the confidence to be able to bring their ideas forward because everything comes from an idea, you know, from our mobile phones, the way buildings designed, from the way we deliver our healthcare services. It's all come from people's ideas. And what we have to do as an organisation is create space for these ideas to grow for these ideas to be nurtured, to be explored, to be tested and validated and piloted and um, create proof of concepts that prove that this is better and delivers that value, that change that adds value. So my, my role in, um, at South Metro at the moment is to really create that space for staff and help them understand that they can have an idea and we will work through them to kind of look at how we can utilise technology to make it something better, or how we can um, disrupt behaviour, how can we change the way people act or think or do things? And when we kind of bring the technology and the behaviour and social impact together, that's where game-changing is. And so for me, I get to head an innovation centre. I've got some innovation consultants and we partner with clinicians across the hospitals that we look after um, to help bring their ideas through this innovation journey um, to bring them to life, to transition them into business as usual and really create some fantastic new models of patient care. So what we've seen in the last year with COVID um, is this acceleration of virtual um, connection. I mean, even now we're we're speaking, we would probably do this in person a couple of years ago. Now we're doing it through, you know, video conference. And I think that's opened up a whole new world and acceptance now within the health industry to utilise virtual models of care and now we've got some phenomenal projects I mean some of them I'll be honest I think we're probably going to be world leading by the time we implement them we're looking at how we tele-triage patients before they even come to ED we're looking at how we provide a virtual clinic that deals with fractures basic fractures we've got virtual immunology clinics that have reduced wait times for children from years down to months I mean that's impact, that's value. And I guess that's where I see my role um, is to help bring people along, build confidence, get them excited about bringing their ideas forward and um, making real change that adds impact. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I feel very fortunate. It's not a common kind of role. It's becoming more common having innovation and transformation in government, but it's, it's really been lacking. And I think if we're going to take a positive out of this whole pandemic we're experiencing is that it's uh, the advancements in technology and this openness 
and also how quick we can actually move if we remove some of these barriers that we, we love to self-impose. Um, we can really do some quite incredible things and why shouldn't we be when we're dealing with humans and citizens of this world? Very nice. So in, uh, I know that before, uh, before the state government, you were uh, involved in an initiative where ideas would come from the community and, and, and as particular in uh, during the COVID period where ideas from the community come and you try to push them through mm. that sort of innovation uh, life cycle. So have you seen, do you have any a story to share with us of something that came from that sort of community mm. ideas that became something new? Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we were, so this was to give some context for people who may not know what this was about. Um, so COVID happened and, and um, the Public Sector Commission for, for Western Australia has this great idea um, uh, ideas management system so capturing ideas and we were using it for public sector employees and getting ideas about how we can improve our services um, and the way we deliver business and um, myself and professor fiona wood had had a chat about well wouldn't it be great if we could turn this system into a community facing platform at that time people really unsettled we wanted to do something we had businesses um, converting you know, from their traditional delivery of products and services into now making masks or hand sanitizer. Um, and so we really wanted to harness the, the want and the drive to help um, from our business community. Um, and so by opening up this platform, which we were able to convince government that we should do this. Um, and of course, you know, opening up that other pathway, that other communication channel can be a bit of a risk, but I'll give credit to the state government for opening it up and engaging with community at a time of need. So Fiona and I worked with a number of, um, that we called every favour we could at this time, because, you know, we, and including yourself, Wilson, Pisaggio were fantastic in supporting us with this initiative. Um, we didn't have funding, but we knew we could bring together a group of people who could evaluate the community ideas and then kind of work out, well, what could we do? And we, we ran a few, I think we evaluated 150 ideas or close to it in 12 weeks. We ended up going down quite a few rabbit holes to explore a few things. Um, we ended up kind of sitting on about six key projects, things like utilizing drones for sanitization of community facilities. Um, we looked at smart chemistry. So talking to the really incredible smart people we have in Western Australia around how can we visualize the virus on a surface? How do we, um, uh, how do we clean these surfaces? Or how do they become self-cleaning? Um, and there's some research um, that's been explored through just that project and the kind of think tank we put together around that. Um, another great initiative was we had students, we had schools actually approach us around, we want to embrace our students into doing something that's real world. And how can we utilize design thinking with the students to help come up with something that solves a problem for human health? So Fiona took a bunch of students on a Zoom tour of our operating theaters at Fiona Stanley Hospital. And uh, they got to ask lots of questions. And then over a period of a number of weeks, we had about 700 students sign up and quite a number of schools in regional areas as well. And they worked on developing ideas that then they pitched at a bigger pitch event that was held at one of the schools. And um, being able to see students as young as year seven 
um, through to year 12, embraced in innovation, uh, excited about the fact that they could work on developing ideas that could have real impact um, was so rewarding. Um, and that program, that whole, um, it's called STEM for Innovation. That program is being um, redone again this year. So that's carrying on. Um, look, we've got so many things that we've been working on um, and it's just really exciting to see when you do engage community, but also I was working in local government, Fiona was in state government and we also had strong support from RAC in terms of having an industry kind of representative and an ideas board of incredible people from all different industries and innovation space. The collaboration to bring new thinking and new action into Western Australia uh, has excited me even more. Um, I'm trying to contain myself here, Wilson. I, I get very excited about innovation, um, but it was really, um, I guess, rewarding to see and also demonstrated how powerful it can actually be if you link the different tiers of government together with industry and community. So, and I think that's the future of innovation is if we don't work together, how can we possibly build the greatest state? I mean, we're already the greatest state in Western Australia, but how can we build the most innovative and advanced state um, with the best quality of life? It's very, very inspiring. So I think uh, <laughs> this will be worth a, uh, another another episode of the show if you few few years down the track and see uh, all the outcomes that. of that. <laughs> uh, Gemma, one of the things that you mentioned as part of uh, the programs you're involved with is the involvement of uh, school children. Mm. Uh, I think you, uh, you're quite familiar with the fact that uh, you know, as part of the Changing the Game show, so one of the other levers that I'm very, that's very close to my heart is the uh, diversity, in particular the, you know, the gender uh, diversity. Mm. So one of the things that, uh, uh, that we know, so I'll, I'll while innovation is across the board in all professions and etc., so we do have this trend about the jobs of the future, the new careers, the new roles, and and there are a number of them that are you know related to STEM careers, right? To science, technology, engineering, and maths. So uh, we uh, we have been putting a big effort to actually uh, increase the diversity and in particular the gender diversity in, in, in our group that works in a STEM area. Uh, the number of the girls, uh, not surprisingly, is small when it comes to this uh, area. And we, we're looking at what can we do to uh, to increase those numbers. So somehow we have a we have a, that sort of gut feeling that some of the response is in the education, the children's education, while they're still in, in primary and high school. Mm. So I think it's a question that I have for you as uh, maybe a final question for this uh, chat, unfortunately, is what is your opinion or suggestion or tip in terms of uh, how can we... Uh, inspiring the girls to come along in this journey of digital and innovation? Yeah, uh, this comes down to a couple of things. One is there's a responsibility by all organisations, government, non-government, to understand the, that we, we need to connect with the younger generation coming through. We actually need to get up to speed with the way that they talk and the way that they connect. So if we 
if we're just talking to them in our traditional government language, they're not interested. <laughs> they're not. So if, unless we speak the language, we will never inspire them to kind of come through and choose the careers uh, that we need. Um, I'm not sure we've actually really uh, taken stock of the skills that we need for the future. I think we're building, we're seeing more and more data scientists, we're seeing more and more coders. We're seeing those skills start to be built up capability-wise in government departments. Um, and I think that's exciting, but that connection point between what's happening, where we need to go and how we bring the next generation through is quite a challenge. So we need to be building more programs or relationships and opportunities for work experience to see how the work that they do connects with what's being delivered for our community or our citizens. So um, I think more opportunities, and this is why I love this, this program and what you're doing, because it's raising the profile of women who are uh, uh, making a difference, making an impact in each of those different fields, innovation or science or technology, and the more that we can get the stories out there, the more that we can connect with younger generations, hopefully they'll be inspired to want to follow our footpath and kind of join in. But unless we have the systems in place to enable that path, those pathways, we will always struggle to kind of bring young women along for that journey. Um, so I think the more that we kind of get into schools, the more that we promote what's happening, the more um, fabulous programs like She Codes that are out there that really give an opportunity for women to and young women to kind of experience or think, oh, can I do this? Um, the better. And so we just need to do more and more and focus on that. And I think, as I said at the start, the responsibility that we have as organisations, but also as female leaders coming through, I think it's important that we continue that message and continue to mentor and coach um, young women coming through or students coming through. I'm a very strong advocate of internships and graduate programs. Um, we, we sponsor a lot through our innovation centre. Um, so it's it's very dear to my heart to see to see more women in this space. Very nice. Thank you for that, Gemma. So uh, look, we already 30 minutes saying, you know, that went quick. When the conversation <laughs> is good, it, it just flies, isn't it? It does. So, uh, look, Gemma, I think I have to say that to you. So, you, you uh, since I met you a few years ago, so I have seen your face out there everywhere, you know, pushing the things that you believe in, you know, innovation, when you say that's a passion, I, I don't think you just say it, you, you know, you walk that, mm. that walk. So we, we, we can look at you building that profile and, and make that, you know, the, the brand, the platform for, particular for women to see and, 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 and to check what's possible. So uh, I, I think on behalf of everyone, so we, we need to thank you for, for, for being like a champion in, in changing the game that, that, that we have. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate your, you know, your accepting the invitation. This conversation was nice. Yeah, it was great. Thank you for letting me have the opportunity to join in, in the conversation with you. So That was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everybody that's, that listened to this. So they, that, that was uh, Gemma Green. And until the next one, until the next episode of Changing the Game. <laughs>